When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Terrio Media. Broadcasting from Terrio Studios in Glendale, California, it's time for Epic Real Estate Investing with Matt Terrio. Hello and Welcome to Epic Real Estate Investing. Happy New Year. Happy 2017 to you. This is the place where I show people how to escape the rat race using real estate. If you're just getting started and or you're looking for new and creative ways of making money in real estate, I've put together a free course just for you, including a checklist on how to find motivated sellers, property owners that are willing and able to sell you their property at a discount. So to access that free course, go to freerealestateinvestingcourse.com. Free realestateinvestingcourse.com. Alrighty. Before we get started, a couple quick announcements. First, the Epic Intensive is just under a month away. If you plan on attending and haven't reserved your seat, please go to epicintensive.com and do so. Early bird pricing still available until the end of the week. And if you have reserved your seat and you have yet to book your hotel reservations, the room block expires January 6th and there are only 11 rooms still available. So you're going to want to take care of that. Uh, room block expires January 6th. And let's see, what's up? Oh, next announcement. If after listening to last episode on the ter- 10 surest fire ways to get rich, you do want to, uh, and you do want to participate in the No Agent Needed Project, more than half of those spots have already filled up. So hurry up, secure your territory, and you can do that. You can get the entire scoop of what the entire project is about with regard to making you famous and sending you organic, motivated seller leads. Go to No Agent Needed book.com no agent needed book.com to qualify for that uh, program you're going to need to be doing at least averaging two deals a month okay so uh i'll have some other stuff available for those that are just getting started and are brand new but this one is is uh really reserved for those that are further along in their business a little bit more established and are looking to take it to that next level and, and create some fame and some name recognition around their business so go to no agent NeededBook.com. Alrighty. Um, so today we're going to talk about how to get more offers accepted, how to do more deals. And I've got a, a, actually a very different perspective that I'm going to share this with you today. You know, recently for the very first time, I have found myself as being a motivated seller. I am a distressed seller right now. And when distress, distress comes in, in three different types. There's sellers can be personally distressed, right? They, uh, they're going through divorce or illness or job relocation, some sort of personal issue. They're personally distressed. Or sellers can be financially distressed. Maybe they're going through a bankruptcy. They've got a, they've lost their job. They've got some unexpected uh, expenses or maybe a lawsuit or something came up. Or Sellers can also have a distressed property. That's the third type of distress. So there's personal distress, financial distress, and then there's property distress. And that property distress being like like having a vacant property, having an abandoned property or a fix and flip that went wrong or a fire damaged property, bad tenants, flood damage, I don't know, poor property management, whatever it may be, the property is in distress. And I have recently found myself with a distressed property that I just flat out want to get rid of. 
So I followed my, this is the beginning of December, I followed my own 20-point marketing checklist. And I just ran through the, the steps like I do with every property. And, and um, for the last few weeks, the phone has absolutely blown up. And what this experience has given me is a renewed insight as to what it's like to be in a distressed seller's shoes. It's my first time here. I mean, although I think I've always been good at putting the shoe on the other foot and kind of imagining what they'd be going through, the insight and enlightenment that I've gained by actually being a distressed seller rather than just pretending to be one, uh, it's going to be, uh, this is going to be invaluable in how I move forward in my business this year and well beyond that. So I want to share this new enlightenment with you so you can incorporate this how you see fit in your business moving forward also. All right. So, you know, I, I think this new level of awareness, it's going to impact the number of offers that I get accepted this year, the number of deals I do this year. And it's going to give me an edge over any competition that may present itself. And I want you to have that too. All right. So, um, all right. So let's say your phone is ringing, right? Your phone is ringing from your marketing efforts. And every time that phone rings, you're expecting a deal, right? That's your expectations. You're expecting someone who's willing to exchange their equity for you to solve their problem. Someone over there is, uh, you're expecting to um, give them peace of mind in exchange for equity. That's what you're expecting. But in getting more offers accepted, it's really more important to understand what the person calling you is expecting first. You know, first seek to understand, then be understood I think that's what one of the seven habits of highly uh, effective people. And it very much is the case here. So there, there are a wide variety of expectations coming from the other side. And a few are even hoping that you're going to be able to solve their problems. But for you to get deals done, for you to really be effective, you're going to have to put yourself in that caller's shoes and, and perhaps even walk around in them in a bit uh, or a, a little bit. You have to walk around them a bit. You see that the person calling Understand this, the person calling just received something in the mail with some sort of message alluding to that the person that sent it to them can buy their house for cash and they can do that fast. That's what they're reading. That's what. That's why they're calling. But what are they thinking? What are their expectations? What is that, what's actually going through their mind? They're, they're thinking things like, this is too good to be true. This ain't gonna work. Or they're thinking, you know, you're some kind of shark that's gonna try and take advantage of them, but they're in such a, a situation that they're willing to take a shot at it, or you're gonna steal their house, or it, it's not going to be a real offer. It's gonna be a really low offer. And this is this is probably gonna be a waste of time. They might be thinking that. And there's a lot of variations of this, but they're calling because they, they've got an issue that needs to be resolved, and they're hoping that you can do it. And really, this can all be summed up into they're calling that first call, they're calling with their guard up, all right? They're on guard. And that's exactly where I've been the last few weeks as buyers and agents have been calling me for more information on my distressed property. So before you answer the phone, when, when people are calling, these distressed sellers are calling you from your marketing, you must understand that's the likely disposition of the person calling you. They've got their guard up. I mean, all of the above has actually been my exact disposition. So I can vouch for that's, I was thinking all of those things. Although I wasn't responding to marketing, people were calling me trying to buy my property. And, I, and typically this is not an issue for me because I really never need to sell. This one I need to sell. I want to get rid of this thing. I really want to get rid of this thing. It's been keeping me up at night. It's been a headache of mine for the last three years. And I'm just, I'm just going to cut my losses. I'm going to move on so I can focus elsewhere. And so that has been my exact disposition, I've noticed this shift in my being as these calls are coming in, everyone's calling, asking questions about the property. And, and then, so another thing to keep in mind is 
you just sent your marketing piece to someone that's likely got the problem, right? That's where they're calling. And they're calling you with likely two things in mind. First, can this person really solve my problem? So that's what I'm thinking when the people are calling me. Can this person really solve my problem? Because I got a problem. And second, can I trust them to not make my situation worse? So when the, when your motivated sellers are calling you, that's what they're thinking. Can you really solve their problem? Are you going to be able to solve their problem without making their situation worse? Are you going to waste their time? And that's what I've been thinking. And, and I mean, this is really the biggest fear as as, a, as me being a distressed seller this time around. I want to get into contract with someone who is going to make, or I don't want to get into contract. I almost said that incorrectly. Um, I don't want to get into contract with someone who is going to make my situation worse. I don't want to get into contract with someone that's going to waste my time. So my guard is up on every call that I'm receiving. And, and the people that are calling you from your marketing efforts, you best believe their guard is up too. And that's okay. I mean, that, that's just how it is when two people under these circumstances meet for the very first time. Just understand that it's not personal, right? They don't know you from Adam. I don't know these callers that are calling me from Adam. I mean, so if we don't know each other, how could it be personal, right? Right. So if they've got their guard up, I've got my guard up. It's your job to get them to drop their guard or what I like to call, it's your job to disarm them. And that's really what these buyers, they, what they got with me being in this situation, they need to call me and, and make me feel comfortable. They need to disarm me. Now, in the past, many times I've given you the, the exact words to say, but I've really come to see from the other side of the coin, the other being on, having the shoe on the other foot, that it's how you say them I think is even more important. So here are some techniques for disarming motivated sellers that, that worked on me. I mean, I teach this stuff on how to do this. And now that I had this distressed property that I want to dump, all of a sudden I know I recognize who I was more inclined to do business with. So I, uh, one, be respectful, okay? Be respectful. Don't call up. There are some people called up and said, hey, you got a crappy property over there. Um, I bet it's really a thorn in your side. Um, too bad for you. I'll give you a hundred bucks for it. I mean, those type of offers, I was, I was exaggerating a little bit, but those type of things, I was just like, dude, that's not, I don't want to sell to you. Thank, thanks, but no thanks. So we want, you want to be respectful. Um, there's one guy that he drove by and he's, he called me and he laughed at me for even buying it in the first place. It's not being respectful. All right. So he didn't have a shot. Two, you want to be interested and not interested in how you're going to get a great deal on the property, but interested in them, their situation and how you can help them. And people always, uh, of course, everyone was somewhere along that process, people were asking me, why are you selling? And I just told them, I told them the whole story. And, and they're like, yeah, I know it's kind of tough in that area sometimes, or I had a property like that. Those people that identified with that, I was like, okay, I can talk to this person. Three, you want to find common ground. For example, if they're a landlord complaining about their tenants, relate how you, you've had some stinkers also. Like you've had some bad tenants as well, and, and you can relate. I mean, if you learn that they're into, say, tennis on the weekends and you used to play in high school, maybe, maybe it's something you want to bring up. I, I identified with one guy on the, on the barbecue that the, they serve on Beale Street in, in Memphis. So um, that was a place where we were building rapport. And that's number four, build rapport. And you build rapport by implementing a lot of these first three steps that I just mentioned, being respectful, being interested, finding common ground, and asking questions. That's, that would be the next one. Ask questions and listen to the answers. Genuinely listen. I've noticed myself really connecting with the people that were genuinely listening to me. And then number five, I've always said this, um, I don't know if it really applied in this scenario, but, but flattery. I mean, there's an expression that flattery will get you everywhere. Now, I'm not gonna say that it's gonna get you everywhere in your real estate investing business, but it'll certainly get you much further down the rapport building road than, than being disrespectful. 
I mean, here's what I mean with regard to flattery. I mean, for example, if they're upside down in, in their property, acknowledge how they've been able to hold on to it for this long as so many others have lost theirs. Or if they've got equity in their house, acknowledge how good they've done as so many people you speak to have lost their equity. That type of flattery. Not like, oh boy, your voice sounds really nice over the phone. <laughs> not that. All right. So from your first time talking to your sellers, your intent of this first call is to set an appointment or at the very least... I've always said it's to set an appointment. I still believe that. But at the very least, set the expectations with the seller of what you're going to do next. Don't leave the seller hanging, wondering what's going to happen. And, and this part right here was very important to me being on the seller side. You know, if someone called me and asked a few questions about the property and ended the call with, okay, I'll check it out and I'll get back to you, which happened frequently. I mean, I'm probably getting 10 to 15 calls a day on this property. And as the seller... I had no confidence in that person calling me back. And that's fine. I mean, you don't have, it doesn't, you know, I'm not sitting there hanging on every word waiting for every person to call me back with an offer. But what that did is I recognized that the next person that called me essentially started with a clean slate because it really was. I wasn't expecting anything from the previous caller. So when that next person called, I was like, okay, all right, we're up to bat again. Let's go for it again. I wasn't thinking I had anybody on deck. I didn't think the other person was that serious. So I really forgot all about them when I was talking to the next person. So, that's going to be something that I absolutely do every time I talk to a motivated seller. I let them know exactly what I plan to do next. And I think I do that um, unknowingly or subconsciously, but I'm going to be conscious of it. I'm going to make sure that I do it. I'm going to make sure that every seller I talk to knows what I plan to do next. And a few of the buyers that, that call me said, I'm going to grab my contractor and I'm going to drive by the property. I'll call you back as soon as I'm done and let you know how I can help. I appreciated that. And those, those are the people that I'm actually still in conversation with. I appreciated that. And, and I waited for their phone calls because I felt that they were actually going to call. And I took that next step that they had promised into consideration when I spoke with the next person that called. So I was able to say, yeah, I've got someone out there looking at the property right now. They took their contractor out there and they're going to be getting back to me soon. So if you want this property, if you were interested, you might want to get out there and look at it too. See, it gave me a way to respond. It gave me some comfort. And it also gave, put me in a position to, to go ahead and, you know, weed out and sort the, the buyers from the non-buyers, the prospects from the suspects. Next thing I noticed is that it had me more likely to work with one of the, the buyers was those that called me a lot. I noticed that those that called me a lot, I was like, like building a relationship with them. There was rapport being built. And I've always kind of like, I've, I've always called on to uh, my motivated sellers. I always keep them, stay in communication. Um... But I never, like, I was, I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to bother them also. I didn't want to get on their nerves. But being on the other side, I actually appreciated the over-communication. I took their calls more seriously. It gave me confidence in working with them. Um, the, I, I just felt that they were serious. And they were likely to follow through if we did happen to enter into an agreement together. So I'd say that would be step number, step, uh, tip number two. I got that from the, this experience. To err on the side of over-communicating. You certainly don't want to under-communicate. You want to over-communicate. That's where you, if you're going to falter on one way or the other, err on the side of over-communicating, right? Um, tip number three. I got this uh, from, I got the tip number three from this experience. As you've heard me say this before, but being on the other side, I'm going to repeat it and request you do not underestimate the power of submitting your offer in writing. I'm always saying you've got to submit in writing. You're not going to do any deals until you submit the offer. You've got to submit your offer. You've got to put it in writing. Always. And I had a few people trying to sit there and negotiate everything over the phone with me. Some people were sending me texts going back and forth and text messages trying to create a deal right there in the text message. 
but I had nothing in writing. And those people actually scared me a little bit because they just seemed like a little flighty and I didn't take their call seriously. Additionally, they left me with no real action that I could take on their request. I mean, I had to sit there and wait and wonder if they were ever going to come through. But for those that submitted their offer in writing, they went right to the top of the contention of the buyer I was going to choose. Like they had a better shot than anybody else because they actually had it in writing. I knew they were serious or, or more serious at least of buying the property. And, and there was an action that I could take. I could accept or I could counter back or I could reject. I had a greater level of comfort working with those that submitted their offers in writing. And those that didn't submit their offers in writing, I didn't call them back to say, hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? I had no way to communicate with them. And, and quite honestly, by talking to so many people, I didn't really have it sorted out of who said what and who promised what, who offered what. So even if I wanted to, even if I had their contact information, I'd have to call them back and refresh my memory of what we actually agreed to. And that's just not a good position to be in. And it's something that I avoided. So I just kind of focused on those people that submitted their offers in writing. So always submit your offers in writing, all right? Always present an offer. Tip number four, and I knew this already. A lot of this was refresher. I mean, I kind of knew this, but I just kind of have a deeper understanding of it now that I was actually on the other side and not pretending to be. And this here, I've, I've shared this with you several times, but I, but I think I've kind of always shared it indirectly, not as a direct tip or as a direct thing to do. And, and with my, my biggest fear of entering contract with someone on this deal, that they were, my biggest fear was that they were either going to waste my time or make my situation even worse. Those were my big fears. They were gonna waste my time or make my situation worse. So those written offers that came in that conveyed through their price and terms that they were actually going to follow through and close the deal, those people that, that, that conveyed that in their offer, they went right to the top of my list of who I was gonna to sell to, right to the top. Because I didn't want to waste my time. I wanna get this thing done. I don't want my situation to even be worse, which is a potential for with this property. So this will also be a dynamic I focus on more in 2017 and beyond. And, and how do you do this? There's a lot of different ways to convey your intention that, um, that can express the certainty and the ease of close, the comfort and the confidence that you can give to the seller and make it easier for them to accept your offer. So there's many ways that you can do this. And I, I don't know if I'm not going to hit on all of them, but here, here's what I paid attention to of all these offers coming in. One was the speed of close. That was really important to me. Well, one guy said that he could close in three to four days as long as his contractor gave it the thumbs up. And that caught my attention. It caught my attention even more than the price that they were offering and the offers that, or the price and the offers that I received. And I know three to four days, that's, it. That's, that's really fast. Most deals will never happen that fast. Um, and I know if, if your strategy is wholesaling, three to four days, that might be rather impossible. But just understand the speed of close and the ease of close, if you can convey that in your offer, that caught my attention as a motivated seller more than the price. Second, offering a non-refundable deposit. Again, something that caught my attention even more than the price. And I've done this before myself. Um, but being on the other side, I was like, oh, even there's one guy who just offered 500 bucks for, to, to get into contract and he offered as a non-refundable. He wanted his time to do his due diligence and that was the, his, his way of getting in. Kind of like a, a, a pseudo option type contract. But that was, that was something that caught my attention. And it caught my attention and I had me consider the price even less, okay? So the speed, the non-refundable deposit, those are ways you can do it. You don't have to do them all, these are just ideas. Third, proof of funds. Again, something that caught my attention even more than price, I think. 
Because I'm sitting there thinking, oh my, this person is serious. They're actually gonna follow through with this. Why would they go to all this trouble if they weren't really genuinely interested in the property? In fact, only one person submitted their offer with their proof of funds. And it stood out, it absolutely stood out for sure. So rather than waiting to be asked for a proof of funds, where that's a big fear for a lot of people, like what if they ask me for a proof of funds? I don't have proof of funds. What do I do if they ask for a proof of funds? Why not start including a proof of funds letter with all of your offers from this point moving forward? That's what we're doing from now on. We've actually been doing that for a couple months um, with one specific strategy, but now we're gonna incorporate that into all of our strategies. And if you, if you didn't know, if you don't know where you're gonna get a proof of funds, you can get an automated proof of funds letter at epicfundingsolutions.com. Go to epicfundingsolutions.com, fill in the blanks and hit submit and boom, you'll get a PDF of proof of funds letter that you can submit with your deals, okay? And here's something that pushed the deal over the top for me. This right here that gave me the utmost confidence in accepting this person's offer. He had said, I know the area, I already drove by the property. I have a couple properties just like it. I know exactly what I'm getting into. I'll make this swift and painless for you. That was it. As a distressed seller, I was looking more for that than the top price. I wanted peace of mind around this deal more than I wanted the equity, more than I wanted the profit. This person, is, they still made me a solid offer. It wasn't like I just ignored everything else. They still made a solid offer. But it wasn't the highest offer. It was actually the third highest. So let's recap what you may be able to incorporate into your future offers and helping them getting, and getting more offers accepted, doing more deals this year, and well beyond that. Um, don't have to do all of them, but just kind of take, absorb this in and, and, and take in the ideas of different ways when you find a deal that you really want, or if you find, your, you find a deal where you know there's competition, this is the way that you can edge them out, or this is the way you can make sure that you get that deal that you really want. One, tell the seller exactly what to expect next from you every time you talk to them, right? Tell the seller exactly what you expect next from every time you talk to them. Two, err on the side of over-communication. Now, don't be a pest. Don't be annoying. Call them for a reason. Have something valuable to contribute or a good question to ask, but err on the side of over-communication. Three, always send a written offer always send a written offer. Even if you know it's going to get rejected, even if you know it's no lower than what you were talking about on the phone, send it anyway. Send a written offer. Because when those lowball offers came into me that were written, they were still there being shuffled around when I was reviewing offers. The ones that did not send an offer, they weren't even, they didn't have a chance. Okay. Number four, demonstrate in your offer your intent to close. Create that certainty for the seller. Create that comfort for the seller. Instill confidence in the seller. And the way that you can do that, you can offer to close quickly, you can offer a non-refundable deposit, you can offer or you can provide proof of funds, and you can demonstrate your knowledge and your experience with the area and the type of the deal that you're taking on. Let them know, hey, I know what I'm getting into, I'm gonna get you in and out of this, it's gonna be great, I know the area, I know the property, and I've done this before. Like, if you can convey that type of confidence in your phone conversation or, your, or when you're face-to-face -face in your rapport building, that went really far for me, that went really far with me. All right, so, and the person that touched on each one of those is the person that I'm going into contract with. I'm recording this on Friday, so you're listening on Monday. Um, so th there's not a signed contract. I'll, I'll bring you up to date next Monday. And also I'll show you how I've taken a total bath on this property. I'm losing my, my shirt on this property, but I'm gonna show you how I was able to pr actually um, get myself a little bit over break even after it'll be all said and done. Okay, so I'll share that with you and also share with you the update on how this went. So uh, 
I communicated just before I started recording this that uh, we got a deal, so I'm just waiting for the contract and getting the final signatures to, to be put into place. And so I went with the, um, with the person that touched on each one of these points. And there were two other offers that offered more money than he did. And this other stuff, the certainty of close was much more important to me. See, money isn't always the answer with motivated sellers. Speed, ease, and the certainty of closing is just as or even more important than money depending on the motivated seller's situation. And this property, I'm motivated, I don't want any more. Motivated sellers are gonna exchange peace of mind for equity all day long and twice on Sunday, and I sure did. That mess of a property is gonna be behind me and I'm off to bigger and better deals of where I'll make up the losses through peace of mind. I'll make up the, the losses through a clear mind and focus, not to mention more quality sleep each night because this, pro this property has certainly caused some sleepless nights. Alrighty, so I'll, I'll bring you up to date next Monday on that deal and how that went. Now, before I go, if you want to become the, the recognized real estate investor in your region and you'd like to get organic motivated seller leads indefinitely, go to noagentneededbook.com for the details. Noagentneededbook.com for the details. I only have room for one real estate investor per region and I like to get this all wrapped up in the next week or so and start sending the participants their leads as soon as possible. So this is first come, first serve. Go to noagentneededbook.com and get the scoop there and perhaps we'll be talking soon. I sure hope so. All right, that's it for today. I'll see you next week on another episode of Epic Real Estate Investing. God bless and to your success, I'm Matt Terrio, living the dream. been listening to epic real estate investing the world's foremost authority on separating the facts from the bs in real estate investing education if you enjoyed the show please take a minute to visit itunes and share your thoughts thanks for listening we'll see you next time here at epic real estate investing with matt terrio This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.